It's good to be with you all this morning. It's good to sing, sing out to our God. Um, thank you, worship team, for leading us in singing this morning. And thank you for the elders. It's great to welcome new members. Oh, man, it's a wonderful morning. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. My uh, main job is usually leading singing, um, but it's, it's a privilege. It's an honor to be able to preach this morning and um, pray that God will be glorified, that his people will be built up, gospel will be proclaimed. I was just reflecting that um, Anna and I and Samuel and now Noel, uh, we've been here for three years, and that came and passed just a couple weeks ago, so time has gone really fast. Um, uh, the first part was kind of slow when COVID came and time kind of stopped, um, but we don't need to talk about that. I really don't like thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful time to be here with you guys in Alamosa in the San Luis Valley, and um, I'm grateful, very grateful for my uh, church family, for God has blessed us um, here, and yeah, I'm thankful for you guys. So let's, let's pray um, before, before I preach. I need, I need God's help. Lord God, um, I do pray um, for your empowerment, Lord God, that you'd be here. We know you are here, Lord God. You are amongst your people. You will never leave us nor forsake us, Lord God. Um, but as I, as I preach, as I go to your word this morning, Lord God, would you empower me? Would you equip me, Lord God, to say what is true? Um, and anything stupid that I say, Lord God, anything that is not of you, Lord God, may it fall to the ground, may it die. But we do pray your truth would go forward, Lord God. May you be glorified, Lord God, in the preaching of your word. Um, and we do pray that we'd have open hearts to hear what you would might say to us this morning, Lord God. Um, humbly as your servant, Lord God, would you be with me? Would you be with us? It's in your name we pray. Amen. I don't know uh, if you've noticed this, but people use the word blessed in a lot of interesting ways. Um, perhaps you're on social media of one form or another, and you've seen people use uh, hashtag blessed. Um, I don't really use hashtags, but I've definitely seen that before. Um, and some of these uses may be appropriate. You know, people are talking about how God has shown them favor in life, and um, that's, it's a good thing to talk about how God has blessed you. Um, but a lot of the times, it kind of seems like it may be a form of the old humble brag, like, oh, look how great I am type of a thing, or look, look at my life type of a thing, but uh, trying to do it humbly. Um, but I don't know. It's, a, it's interesting, though, that our society, that our culture still uses the term bless. Um, it's one of the very few religious terms that's still regularly used um, in our society, in our culture. And I hear people all the time who aren't Christians, um, who aren't really even remotely religious, talk about how blessed they are. I think that this begs the question, what does it mean to be blessed? Um, the scriptures are full of variations of the word blessed. We just sang a song, bless the Lord, O my soul, and that's a specific usage of that where we are giving praise, we are giving thanksgiving to the ultimate blesser, to God, and that is a wonderful use. That's, that song is based on a psalm from the book of Psalms, and that's used all throughout there. But the, the word bless or blessing, it first appears in chapter 1 of Genesis at the very beginning of the Bible where God blesses the sea creatures and every living thing and calls them to be fruitful and to multiply. He then blesses humanity, that's the second use, who he has made in his image. He calls them to be stewards, to have dominion over the rest of creation, and also to be fruitful and to multiply and subdue the earth. He also calls them 
into a relationship with himself, to be his image bearers in creation. He blesses them, and he calls them into the fullness of life. And I think this phrase, that's at the foundation of what it means to be blessed. To be blessed is to have fullness of life, to have life with God. So the text that we're going to be looking at today is Psalm 67. And we can go ahead and turn there if you'd like. We'll be looking at that. But the author of this psalm is anonymous. Uh, it doesn't tell us who it is. But we see that it was used for worship in the temple. It says, to the choir master, the person who was in charge of the singing, right? And that it was accompanied by stringed instruments. If we look at just its form and how it was used, it probably would have fit well at the end of a service in the temple as a prayer of the people to the Lord. It is a prayer for God to bless the Israelites, to make himself known among them. But this blessing, it's not just for their own sake, it's not just for them, but it's so that all nations, all people groups may know God and that they may come to worship their creator. Uh, this is a psalm that looks forward to great things. When God will come to dwell among his people, when the Messiah comes, and when the gospel spreads across the earth. In all of this, God will be glorified. So let's read Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and let them sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, so the beginning of this psalm, it, it may be familiar to you, may look suspicious like something else, and it's really an exact quote um, from the Aaronic blessing from the book of Numbers. Uh, and this is from Numbers 6, 20 through, through 26. This says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, and this is where it's quoting from, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Uh, this blessing in Numbers was to be said by the priest over the people of Israel. It was a prayer that was said over them and acknowledged that all good things, all blessings come from God who is the source of all blessings. In it, priests were asking God to show the Israelites special favor to keep them from harm and to bring them shalom, which is um, the Hebrew word for peace. It has kind of a deeper meaning than our English word, but which is really the peace of God, fullness of life with God. 
So Psalm 67 takes this and puts it in its own words. But interestingly, if we look at those first, um, that first verse, really, instead of the priest saying it over the people, it is the people themselves, it is the congregation, the gathered body, like us this morning, who are asking God to bless them. It is asking for Israel to be a kingdom of priests to the Lord, a people called to represent God to other nations. So by praying for God to shine his face on them, his radiance to go out, the people are asking God to shine his light among them in their midst. They're praying that God's light, his truth, would shine out from them and testify to his salvation and his just kingship over all creation. They're praying that God will be glorified in their midst as a testimony to the nations. This is a powerful, powerful prayer. And so this uses the language of Aaron's blessing, but kind of the heart of Psalm 67 is God's promise to Abraham. Psalm 67 uses the language from Aaron's blessing, but we see it looks back to the covenant God made with Abraham um, in Genesis chapter 12 and in 22. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read from Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham is called to go to a new land. He is called to follow God. God will bless Abraham and make a great nation of him. And through Abraham and his offspring, all the families of the world will be blessed. All the nations, all the people groups will be blessed. There's a number of different ways to use that. But it's usually a translation of the word kind of ethne, which is just an ethnic group. So families, nation, people groups. There's a number of different ways to talk about that. But this is the heart that beats behind Psalm 67, that God would bless his people, and through them and their witness to God, their testimony about who God is, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So I've already defined blessing, um, and there's, there's a number of different ways to define it, but I think fullness of life, life with God, is a good way to kind of capture all that the Bible talks about. Um, we have many different uses, though, like we talked about. We can bless God. We can bless the Lord, which doesn't mean that we are giving God anything that he doesn't have. Um, but rather, it means that we express gratitude and we express thanksgiving to the one who brings all blessings. God is the source of all blessings. He is truly blessed. So for us to be blessed is to be in communion with him. So to repeat that, so once again, to be blessed is to be in a relationship with our creator, to live life with him. And we see that humanity was created for fellowship, for community. We were created for fellowship with each other, um, in friendships, in marriages, in relationships between parents and children. We we're also, in a sense, to be in a relationship with the rest of creation. We are given dominion to be stewards over it, to work it and keep it, to cultivate it and make prosper what God had placed in the garden. 
Um, but most importantly, humans were made to be in a relationship with God himself. But I think as most of us know, this relationship was broken in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned. They were deceived by the serpent. And each of us continues to suffer from the effects of sin. We are separated by God from our disobedience, by our rebellion, by our inability to follow his commands. Death entered into the world because of sin, and anyone aside from the saving power of God, is dead in their sins. Anyone outside of Christ is hopeless, as Greg talked about last week. Anyone outside of Christ is a subject, is a member of the kingdom of darkness, and is a slave to sin. Um, This is very, very bad news. But um, we know the bad news. But once we know the bad news, this is where God comes in. This is where the gospel comes in. Gospel, which is the evangel in Greek, means good news. John 10.10 tells us that Jesus came to give us abundant life. It sounds like a blessing to me. Jesus is how humans can be reconciled, be put in a correct relationship with God, brought back into relationship with him. Jesus and the good news about how we are saved by his death and his resurrection is the blessing that is promised to Abraham long ago. Um, The Apostle Paul makes this abundantly clear in Galatians 3.8. He says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So did you catch that? Paul says the gospel was preached in the promise made to Abraham. In Genesis 12 and 22, God promises that all nations, all people groups will be blessed. And this statement is a foreshadowing of the coming of the gospel. In Galatians, Paul wants to make um, clear what the nature of the gospel is. We are saved by Christ's sacrificial death and not by keeping the law. Um, The law is a mirror that reveals to us our sinful nature. But the law was never meant to save, but to show that we needed a Savior. Paul wants us, us to make sure in the Galatians, when he's writing to them, that they are clear that they are justified by faith in Jesus and not by their works. This is good news because nobody can um, reach salvation by their works. In another place, just continuing to talk about the gospel, Paul summarizes it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins with accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And he goes on through the rest of that chapter. It's an amazing, sometimes confusing, but wonderful chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul speaks of how Christians will share in Jesus' resurrection and how Jesus will ultimately defeat evil and death. And this is our blessed hope. This is good news. 
Jesus died on a cross in our place for the forgiveness of sin. He rose again. He disarmed the evil powers of this world. And he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father and now intercedes for us. One day when he returns, we will share in his physical resurrection. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, given immortal bodies. Jesus will crush the head of the serpent and God's judgment will come to pass on evil. He will reign with perfect justice and true peace will come upon the earth. Shalom, God's peace, true peace and satisfaction will be known by the people of God. So this is the blessing that was spoken to of Abraham. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed through Jesus Christ and his saving work. Galatians 3.29 tells us that if you belong to Jesus, if you've been bought with the blood of the lamb, then you are an offspring of Abraham, an heir to this promise. So we, the church, are the spiritual offspring of Abraham, and we are a witness to Psalm 67 of the good news going out to the nations being partially fulfilled. And we know that the gospel must go out, must be proclaimed to all the world as a testimony to all people groups. Uh, Matthew 24, 14 tells us this. So Jerron has been preaching through the book of Acts. He's going to be continuing to preach through the book of Acts in the coming months. And he recently um, preached on Pentecost. And Pentecost is where the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, came and infilled believers, empowering them to go out and to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And this was really the start of the blessing of the gospel coming to the nations. And for the last 2,000 years, the gospel has been spreading throughout the earth, bringing people under the rule and the reign of God. So the good news about Jesus, it changes individual lives, it changes you and I, and it also changes societies. So we are all beneficiaries, we all benefit from the Christians that have come before us. We sang about that a little bit in that song, about the martyrs that were willing to die so that my, we might be able to read the word of God in our own language, powerful things. God has been growing his church through ordinary people like you, um, really through not just the, the leaders, but it's really the church, the people that grow the church. The leaders are there to equip the saints but we are all supposed to go out and grow God's church. So by raising your children to know and love God, um, by sharing the gospel with your friends and your neighbors, you are participating in the call to make God known, calling people into life with God, calling people into the ultimate blessing. Um, this is what's called the Great Commission, where, uh, what Jesus sent his church out to do, and this is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We'll read that. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go th therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. He's with us always to the end of the age. So in the Great Commission, we are called to make disciples and baptize the nations. In other words, we are called to make worshipers of all people, near or far, 
Jew or Greek, slave or free, all are called to the new life that is found in Jesus. All are called to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. And Psalm 67 has this heart of making worshipers of all the nations to the glory of God. It repeats this twice in verse 3 and in verse 5. This is kind of the refrain of Psalm 67. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So we are called to go out and make worshipers, to teach people to follow Jesus. Here, there, everywhere we are called. At home and abroad, we are sent out in the name of Jesus. We are called to tell people of his salvation and how they can be truly blessed only in Jesus Christ. Only in him is the fullness of life. He is the resurrection and the life. So through Jesus, we can be brought into the family of God and experience true fullness of life, life with him. And the end of Psalm 67 says this, The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Verse 6 talks about the earth yielding its increase, um, which I think is another way of saying that the earth, the land, brings forth its harvest. I think the NIV maybe translates it that way. Maybe your translation does too. So now surely in the past, God had blessed Israel with a full harvest of crops in the fall, right? And in the age to come, we know that in the new heavens, the new earth, in the age to come, there will be no more want, there will be no more need, just the abundance of God's provision. Um, but in the context of Abraham's blessing of the gospel going out to the nations, this talk of the earth yielding its harvest has clear ties to the harvest of the nations, of the nations coming to the Lord. This is the spread of the gospel throughout the earth. This is the harvest that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 9 and John 4, the harvest for which workers are needed. We are those workers. We are the ones that are called to go bring in the harvest. Um, you may have experience maybe with harvesting potatoes or some other crop, but have no idea how to harvest a soul, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but ultimately, this is the work of the Lord. He is the only one that can save. But we are called to go out to plant seeds. And I want to share with you one way um, of sharing the gospel that you might find useful. Uh, we see in Scripture that there are a number of ways that different people share the gospel, even if you just look at Paul in the book of Acts to Jews he frames the gospel in a certain way when he's talking to Greeks um, on Mars Hill he frames it another way with there but so for different people different situations we need to bring out different aspects of the gospel um, so I'm going to just show you share this with you and you could consider this a tool in your toolbox so to speak your good news toolbox all, uh, through this sermon and also in a lot of other sermons that I've done, you may have seen a recurring theme that I've referenced scriptures from all throughout the Bible, talking um, and talking about the psalm and talking about other scriptures. And um, I'm doing this for a very specific reason. 
I want us to get a hold of, have a firm grasp of the overarching narrative of the Bible. The meta-narrative is the fancy word, but that just means that the, the narrative that ties everything together, the narrative that is over all the other stories. This is a story that God has been weaving throughout the millennia that is communicated to us through these inspired words. And we live in a world that is driven by narratives, by stories. Um, and it's crucial for us to know the story of God's redemption plan so that we can share that story with other people and combat false stories, false narratives, so to speak. So while the word of God is it's unbelievably complex in some ways and it's so nuanced, so wonderful, I think that we can break down um, the basic story of the scriptures into four basic chapters. And like I said, we're, this is not going to touch on everything, but it just kind of helps us get our, our mind around an overarching story throughout the scriptures so that we can communicate the gospel, we can communicate how God is saving people in, um, in a story form. So chapter 1 starts with creation, right? And uh, as far as the amount of Bible that that takes up, it's not a lot. It's Genesis 1 and 2. But we know that God created all things and proclaimed at the end of creation that they were very good. The world is not an accident, right? God is the author of life. He's the author of things seen and unseen. He made humanity in his image and called us to be stewards of God's world, representing him to be image bearers of God. So humans have a privileged place amongst God's created order. And we were once in a relationship with him. So that's chapter one, creation. Chapter two, the fall. And once again, this takes up a short amount of the Bible. You know, chapter three is really where the fall occurs, but we see um, going up to the flood like a, just a escalation of, of sin and evilness and wickedness happening. But in Genesis 3, humans are deceived by the serpent. They disobey God, which is sin. Did God really say that? That's what the serpent says. Adam and Eve didn't trust God in his word. Because of sin, um, death enters the world, and humans are separated from God. And in one sense, humans are separated from God for their own good because God is a holy, consuming fire. And for sinful people to be in the presence of God is destruction. And so God separates us from him. We are sent out from the garden. Um, and the world descends, as I said before, deeper and deeper into sin, climaxing really in the flood narrative. And then we live in the reality of sin still today, right? But the fall, when we're communicating this narrative, the fall explains why we live in a broken world that is so full of evil and despair. We know that we are separated from God, and without God, humanity, we are hopelessly destined to destruction. So that's chapter two. So we have chapter one, creation. Chapter two is the fall. And chapter three, which takes up a lot of the Bible, is redemption. But even we see right after the fall, God always has had a plan to redeem his creation and make a people from himself who would dwell with him in peace. He is a God of redemption. 
Um, hope and expectation starts to build there right after the fall. There's a promise made to Eve that her offspring would crush the head of the snake. Hope grows more with the promise made to Abraham, and the exodus occurs. God saves Israel. We see God redeeming a people, right? And the story of Israel really culminates in Jesus Christ, who fulfills and will fulfill all the promises made long ago. God himself came to dwell among his people, and he died a sacrificial death so that we might be reconciled to him. On the cross, God's justice and his mercy meet perfectly. Sin is ultimately paid for. And we've celebrated the Lord's Supper, all that. There is the, the beauty of the cross. It is a terrible, terrible thing, but we see the beauty of God's love there. But not only that, Jesus rose from the dead and is alive forevermore. And he calls all people to repent and find new life in him. To be saved, one must be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we call on people to call on him, to accept his saving grace, to repent, turn, believe that God raised him from the dead, that he is Lord. There's a lot of different ways that we can communicate those things, but we know that redemption is found in Jesus. So we have creation, we have fall, chapter 3 is redemption, and there's a sense where Redemption has occurred right on the cross, but we're still living in an age where redemption is being applied to people. We're waiting for the kingdom to come in its fullness, and this leads to the last chapter, which um, I've seen um, people name this a number of different things. I'm going to go with new creation because uh, it kind of ties in, starts with creation, ends with new creation, but you could call it consummation, kingdom come, restoration, a number of different things. But chapter four, new creation. Christ will come again in glory and power. He will judge the living and the dead. He will decisively defeat evil and death. Satan and his angels will be cast into the lake of fire. Those who are in Christ will be raised up to eternal life. Those who reject God and the gospel will be raised up to eternal death. God will make all things new, and his people will dwell forever with him in a new heavens and a new earth where we will enjoy God forever. God is glorified, and we share in his life. We are blessed. So those are the four chapters, creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. And as a tool for evangelism, we kind of, this is a way to explain what the, why the world is the way it is, who God is, who humanity is, how we can be saved, and what our hope is. Um, so as we do this, we can call people into this grand story. We need to be individual redeemed, but when we are redeemed, we are called to, into a church. We are called into God's story. So this is the story of God, of his redemption, and of him being glorified in all that he does. People are so formed by narrative and story. You think about how much time we spend watching um, TV and shows and listening to different things, media and movies. And so many uh, movies and different things that we might consume are telling us narratives that are at odds with God's narrative, with his story. Our age is filled with tales of finding fulfillment in our jobs, in our passions, in sports, in our sexuality and how that's expressed. But fullness of life, fullness of life, fulfillment, satisfaction, 
It is found only in God. So let us call people out of false narratives, wrong stories, narratives that are about unending human progress with no God or life with no accountability to God. These air narratives, they ultimately, they lead to death, even if they may look intriguing. So we are called to choose life over death, choose God, and call others into true life, which is only found in Jesus. In him we are truly blessed. So Psalm 67, it was a profound prayer for the people of Israel, and it is the same for us today. We pray that God would bring us into fullness of life with him, a fullness of life that is brought through Jesus' work and the coming of the Holy Spirit. As a church, we pray for God to shine his light among us, that his name would be glorified in our midst. Uh, One pastor put it this way, and I liked how he said it. It is when the people of God are a light, when we are lit up with joy and praise, and are themselves, when the people of God themselves are ruled and guided by him, by God, that his ways and his salvation will be known among the peoples around us. So when we pray for blessing, we are praying that we would have fullness of life that is oriented towards God, his glory. When we pray for God's blessing, we are praying that we would be dependent on God, that we would mourn sin and mourn the brokenness of the world. We are praying that we would walk in meekness and humility like our Savior did. We are praying that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would be merciful, that we would be peacemakers. And we are praying that we would be willing to suffer persecution for the sake of Jesus and his gospel, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. To pray for God's blessing, it's, it's no small thing. It is a radical thing. But we know that fullness of life, true, abundant life, is only found with God. So let us pray that God would bless us, not just for our own sake, that his light would shine among us so that people may see his light shining among us and come and worship him. And we know that in the age to come, we will truly dwell with God and that people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation will sing the praises of the lamb who was slain. I love the the ending of the book of Revelations. brought me so much hope and comfort in my life. And um, Revelation 22 really shows us the fulfillment of Psalm 67. Here we, in Revelation 22, we see an image of being truly blessed, of fullness of life with God. Let's uh, end our time by looking at that. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. We're not going to explain everything here, but I want you to look for things that connect with Psalm 67 and just (laughs) revel in the glory of who God is and what he's going to do. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. This is in the New Jerusalem, right? 
Also on the either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, it yields its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will be no need of light of the lamp or of the sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. May it be so. Lord God Almighty, help us to seek your face, to long for your name to be known, Lord God, here in the San Luis Valley and amongst the nations, Lord God. Um, There are so many people that still don't know the gospel. We may even assume here in our country that everybody at least has heard of who Jesus is or of the gospel, Lord God. But I remember talking with somebody um, who had a kid in public school who didn't even know what the Bible was, Lord God. They didn't even know what it was because they're not raised in a context where they would hear about that, Lord God. So let us not assume, but let us go out in your name, Lord God. Lord, in our, in our midst, Lord God, would your face shine, Lord God. Would your light shine out from us, Lord God. May we be seeking you in your face, Lord God. May we be declaring your word, your truth, Lord God, in all that we do, Lord. Um, we do pray humbly, Lord God, that your name would be made great and that all people would come to praise you, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. So that psalm is a song that the Israelites would have sang at the end of the service. So we're going to sing it at the end of the service. So um, I'm going to borrow Brennan's guitar. He has kindly let me do that. And um, as we're singing this, this is a new, new song for us. It's based off an old melody. Um, so feel free to, to let the words sink in, but also to sing along as you start to know the song. I set this to a minor text because I feel it's important for us to have a sense of longing for this to happen. Like, God, please bring this to be so um, as we sing this. So this is the words from the psalm set to a meter with a chorus. God, be merciful, O Lord, bless us, shine upon us with your face, that the earth may know your actions and all lend your saving grace. Let's stand together. Sing that again. God, be merciful. God, be merciful, O Lord, bless us, shine upon us with your face, that the earth may know your actions and all and your saving grace. 
God, may the peoples praise you. May all people sing your praise. For you judge the nations justly, ruling over every race. Let all peoples sing your praise, Lord. Every tribe, tongue, and nation, may they glorify your name. Let the gospel go out from this place. Oh, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. May they sing, oh, may they sing with joy and gladness. May they all rejoice as one. Oh, God, may the peoples praise you as they all unite in song. Let all people, let all people Sing your praise, Lord. Every tribe and tongue, nation, may they glorify your name. Let the gospel go out from this place. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Oh, come, Lord. Then the land, then the land will yield its harvest. God will pour his gifts abroad. God, our God, will surely bless us. All the earth will fear the Lord. Lord God, we do pray that your name would be made great, Lord God, in our lives so that people might see you and worship you. We go out in your name, in the power of the Holy Spirit, with the good news that is hope, hope for the nations. You are dismissed. Mm -hmm.